First Timothy, uh, we'll begin there and we're going to head over to Matthew in just a minute. We're going to start in the book of First Timothy. For those of you who don't know me, I'm pastor at Harmony Missionary Baptist Church in Pine. I teach out at Ben's Ford at the school uh, as of about halfway through this past year. Uh, tonight I come with a very simple burden on my heart. Uh, I know that this is a a revival, and uh, a lot of times revivals are aimed at at the lost, but God put this message on my heart tonight. It's kind of aimed at, at those of us who are saved. Because a lot of times reviving is, is bringing back something that's already there. And so tonight I hope that we can revive that spirit of urgentness and that spirit of desire that is supposed to be in us as servants of Jesus Christ. Book of 1 Timothy, we're going to begin in chapter number 4. Book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 4. We're going to start in verse number 1. 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with hot iron, Forbidden to marry and commanded to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come tonight. God, we love you, and we thank you for all the blessings of life you've given us. The mercy you've bestowed upon us, Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight as we look into your word. In order we could do so with open minds and open hearts, we might be willing and able to receive what you have to say to us tonight through your word, through your spirit. God, I pray that you'd help us that we could draw closer to you ultimately, God, that, that we could come desire and seeking a revival. And Lord, we ask most of all if there be one lost among us this morning, they could see their need of salvation, as they could truly see Jesus Christ lifted up as sacrifice for their sins. And they could believe on him with all their heart and be saved before it be too late. Forgive us so we fail you. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. There was two rocks used in the in the Bible that I want to make mention of tonight. One was in the hand of David. And that rock killed Goliath. The other The other was in the hands people that threw it at Jesus the same hands that whipped him the same hands that beat him the same hands that threw a royal fit and at no point in time do we read that that rocks are bad Moses encountered two rocks he encountered one that he hit and water came from it he did a good job he was rewarded he came to another and he encountered a rock which he was supposed to speak to and he hit it and even though he did wrong the rock still gave water there are two dogs inside of us. I heard it put one time, and I'm going to go ahead and say it this way. There are two dogs inside of us. There's good and evil. There's yes and no. There's world, and there's the Holy Spirit. And which one wins depends on which one you feed. You heard that before? I heard that one time, and I just loved it. Which one wins depends on which one you feed. Are we feeding the Spirit? Those of you who don't know, spiritual food. Are we feeding the spirit? Or are we feeding the flesh? 
Last night uh, at Harmony, we did a little experiment with mind control and asked me about it one day, and I'll tell you about it. But as it turns out, we all have the ability to, to control things with our mind. And Timothy, Paul told Timothy, he said, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are true, think on these things. Whenever we are feeding the Spirit of God, whenever we are feeding ourselves things that are pure, things that are lovely, whenever we are thinking on these things, then we are feeding that Spirit, and that Spirit wins. Whichever dog comes out in us, whichever spirit comes out in us is the one that gets the most food. And, and Paul told Timothy here, he said, in the last times, he said, some shall depart to faith. Now the church sees this as the falling away. But a lot of times we see it as, as people getting further from God. But this falling away, I, I don't believe, is referring to lost people. Because in order to fall away from, if I'm going to fall off of this pulpit, I first have to be up on top of this pulpit, right? I can't fall off of it from down here. I can't do it. In order to fall off of something, you first have to be on top of something. In order to depart from Oak Grove, which now has signs coming in Oak Grove, I saw that. In order to, 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 to depart from Oak Grove, you first have to be in Oak Grove. You can't leave something that you're not in. So in order, in order to depart from the faith, we have to first be in the faith. This falling away is referring to saved people. This falling away is referring... The brothers and sisters in Christ is falling away is, is, is referring to churches. And it's here. The Bible says that in the latter times, are we in the end times today? I'm not going to preach about the end times, but I, I, believe, I believe that we're in them, that we're close, that that falling away is already happening. And you go to and, and start visiting some churches. Well, whenever I was called to preach a couple of years ago, I was invited to preach and uh, blessed to preach in several different churches and all over Louisiana, Mississippi. There was a lot of churches that I was the youngest person in it by 30 years. There were several churches. <laughs> it was me and my wife and another man and woman. And that was it. There was a couple of churches that it was me and the man who called and invited me to come. The falling away is already coming. We already see people falling away from church. If you look around, undoubtedly this church, this church is full on Sunday morning, right? Close. There's people that's not here tonight that's here on Sunday mornings. So how come people see it okay to miss revival? Is the church as full on Sunday night as it is on Sunday morning? Why not? Is it as full on Wednesday as it is on Sunday? Does the baptistry get used enough to keep the dust out of it? It's not because there ain't no more lost people. It's because the burden... And so many of us that are saved has fallen away. If we care about someone, we're going to show them that we love someone. I can tell you that the sky is blue, but until you walk outside and see it, how do you know? I can tell you that I love you, but if all I ever do is, is talk bad to you and talk bad about you and kick you and hit you, and uh, am I showing you that I love you? So if you tell somebody you love them, if you really love them, the most important thing that we can share with them is the gospel. Otherwise, we are part of that falling away. Otherwise, we are part of that departing from the faith. He said, not only that, some shall depart to faith and give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, a lot of times we say, I won't never bow down to a devil. I won't ever do it. I, I'm not going to do it. 
But so many times we already do. We have all the sin in the world right here in our hand. And so many times we take the things of God and we say, I don't have time to read the Bible tonight. So-and-so is on Netflix. So-and-so is on TV. The Tigers are playing. The Saints are playing. The Eagles are playing. Whoever is playing, I don't have time for God. I'll put it off. I'll do it later. I don't have time to study my Sunday school lesson. I just got to catch up on sleep. Work just dogged me out this week. How much do we really not have time for? If we tell God we don't have time for him, he's liable to make time. Heard a man say one time, he said, I thought I didn't have time for God until he put me on my back. And then I had nothing but time. We shouldn't be those that depart to faith. And I really hope and pray that we're not those that God has to get our attention. So tonight I want to ask a very simple question. Where do our priorities lie? Where do our priorities lie? So many churches today, and I heard, and I don't remember who told me this. It may have been you. I don't remember who told me. But anyway, he said, what is the difference, or what does it mean to spiritually discern? Was that you? Wasn't you? What does it mean to spiritually discern? Anybody can tell the difference in right and wrong. It's wrong to kill. It's wrong to steal. It's right to help somebody change a tire when they're stuck on the side of the road. We can tell the difference in right and wrong. To spiritually discern is tell the difference in right and almost right. And there's a lot of that almost right that's getting by in our churches today and people are letting it. Why? Because I want to be non-confrontational. I don't want to cause a problem. Paul said, let there be no divisions among you. But Paul also said, hold strong to the faith. There are churches that are falling away. There are people that are falling away because they have differing opinions. And whenever I say opinions, I mean it don't come from the Word of God on baptism, on salvation, on communion, on missions, on morality. And it all comes in a little bit at a time. I heard a guy say one time, and I know my wife's heard this, but a guy came into a church. I think you told me this one. Guy came into a church and he wanted to move the piano. Did he tell y'all this too? He told y'all this? And he moved it one inch at a time. The, the next guy moved it. So how does, how does the devil creep in? How do we fall away? During COVID, my uncle said something. And I told him I was going to remember it, and I did. He said, the more you miss church, the less you miss church. The more you miss, the more you're not there, the more you decide, well, well I'm just not going to go then the less you begin to crave church. Anybody ever tried to quit something you really, 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 really liked? I've always loved Mountain Dew. That's my weak point. And I've tried to quit. I've tried to knock it off. I've tried to substitute other things for it. But it's hard. It's really hard. And whenever you try to knock it off, whenever you try to quit it, you, 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 it's really hard to do it cold turkey. But if you wean yourself off of it, you're a little bit more able to do it. It don't take very long for the devil to wean us off studying our Bible at home. Little by little, we study a little less. We study a little less. We get a little bit more bogged down with life. We get a little more interested in TV. We get a little more interested in things of the world. We allow football, baseball, basketball, fishing, hunting, golf, working, whatever it is, to become more important to us than God. And that is the first step that we take in that falling away. It's to tell everything else in this world that you're more important. And if we're not very, very careful, we do that all the time. 
if we're very honest with ourselves, <laughs> we put so many things ahead of God. Throughout the day today, how many times do we thank Him for the health and strength to get up and go to work, go to play, go play golf, or whatever it is you did today? How many times did you thank Him, or did you just take it for granted that we made it? I drive about 30 minutes to work every morning. And about once a week, I'll pass an accident on the road somewhere. The roads are a dangerous place. How many times do we thank God that we got there? Do we thank Him we woke up? Do we thank Him we went to bed? Do we always stop and bless our food or we just do it sometimes when it's convenient? At what point did we stop? A lot of churches today are missing my generation, my age people. I'm not real old. But a lot of churches are missing my age people. Because at some point in their life they said, God's not quite as important as all this other is. At some point in their life, their parents said, it's okay for you to go here. It's okay for you to do that instead of going to church. It's okay for you to read this instead of the Bible. It's okay for you to to play a a Nintendo or Game Boy or whatever instead of reading your Bible. And little by little, the churches have suffered. Look around. I'm 28. How many 28-year-olds do you see in church? How many between the ages of 20 and 40? You don't see very many. They are few and far between. You see their parents. A lot of times you see their parents. And a lot of times you'll see their kids. Because the parents care to get the grandkids to church. But a lot of times that generation is missing because at some point in their life, they may be saved. But at some point in their life, God became less and less and less important. You take... Lemons. And you squeeze them in a jar. How hard is it to turn up that lemon juice and drink it? It's tough, ain't it? I can see some of you just quenching your eyes. It's tough. But you start mixing a little sugar and a little water in there, and as you mix it, it gets a little easier, right? You add a little more sugar and add a little more water. And as you continue to mix, it gets a little bit easier, right? It gets easier and easier and easier. To deal with missing church, missing reading, missing prayer, missing family time, missing time with God. It gets easier and easier and easier as we dilute it with everything else, as we occupy our mind, as we say, God cannot be first in my life. That's what we're saying. And we're feeding the flesh. We're feeding the flesh. Chapter 6, verse number 3. 1 Timothy said, If any man teach otherwise... And consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing. But doubting about questions and strifes of words, whereas cometh envy and strife and railings, evil surmises. If any man teaches anything else, he's not talking about a man standing in the pulpit and, and, and telling just absolute lies straight from hell. He's talking about anything in our life that's going to stray us away from God. Everything that you do, you learn, right? I always heard all my life, if you don't learn something every day, then you've about wasted a day. We're supposed to learn something new every day. And I know you kids don't want to hear this, but you go to school and learn something new every day. That is the goal. Well, as Christians, if we don't learn something new every day, then we have missed it. But if we're not very careful, we may slip up and learn the wrong thing. If any man teach otherwise, teach other than what Paul is teaching Timothy here, 
He said, if a man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of Jesus Christ, if it's outside of this Bible, if it is contrary to the Bible, it don't have to be something big. It don't have to be a great big sin. Y'all ever heard of a gateway drug? A gateway drug is not something that's terrible and awful and it's going to kill you on the spot. It's something that's going to get you there. You start small. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. You start with one bite. You start with one sin. You start with one compromise in your faith. You start with one time. And it builds and it builds and it builds. If we really care, why don't we do something about it? If we really care, why don't we? A lot of times we'll, we'll miss church for a headache. We'll miss church for a backache. We'll miss church if the weather ain't just quite right. There's a song, and I don't remember who sings it. It's called Excuses. And it goes, excuses, excuses. We use them every day. And the devil, he'll supply them. If from church, he'll stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep them folks out of church, he offers them excuses. There's always a good excuse to go to church. I very seldom get a headache, but whenever I do, it's on a Sunday morning. Very seldom do I get a headache. But whenever I do, it, it, it's on Sunday. There's always a reason not to. Matthew chapter number, oh, I believe it's 16. Matthew chapter number 16. There's always a reason not to. But the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And while there's always a reason not to, there's always a reason to stay away. There's always a reason to back up. There's always a reason to say, no, I won't witness to this person. There's always a reason to say, I'm too embarrassed to tell them about Jesus. I'm not going to ask them if they're saved. There's always a reason not to. But all you need is that one reason. And that one reason is Jesus told us to. Matthew chapter number 16, verse number 24. And Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus said to his disciples, people that were already following him, he said, if you're going to follow me now, I'm going to ask you this question to church tonight. If you're going to follow Jesus, there's three things that he requires. And he requires it from all of us. First, we have to deny ourselves. That is the absolute hardest thing in the world to do. Have you ever walked by a buffet table and saw dirt cake? You really wanted that dirt cake? That's one of my favorite desserts. Love dirt cake. Or cheesecake, cream cheese, pie. Strawberry, lemon, meringue. Oh, I'm a dessert guy sometimes, especially tonight. I had Brussels sprouts for supper, so I'm craving some sort of sweet. You ever walk by and it's just hard. It's tough. We had four Sunday fellowship yesterday, and then as Baptists, we don't need an excuse to eat, but usually we do anyway. And we'll go through that line and we'll load that plate up because it all looks good. It's hard to stay away from it. It's hard to say no. It's hard to say, I know this is going to hurt me. A moment on the lips, forever on the hips. I have this terrible habit of eating kind of late at night. I'll be working in the shop or piddling around the house, and it'll be 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock before I get inside. If Emily's got something cooked or something left over, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll eat me something. Friday night, my brother made some ribs, and they were, they were solid. They, they were good ribs, and they had this really spicy barbecue sauce on them. I get heartburn bad. So I took me one home. said, I'll eat this for supper. I got home. It was about 
I don't know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Bailey was asleep. I got a little bit hungry, and I said, no, nah, I ain't going to open ice cream. I'm, I'm going to eat that real. And I knew I shouldn't. I knew it was going to keep me up. I knew there wasn't enough Tums in the house to fix it. Guess what I did? Ate that real. It's hard to say no to me. It's hard to say no to what I want. It's hard to say no to one more cream puff. It's hard to say no to just, just, just one more. It's hard to say no to things that we want. But the first thing that we must do, if we're going to follow Jesus, we must say no to what I want. Because it ain't about what I want. What I want don't matter. What I want is irrelevant if it is outside of what God wants from me. That's what counts. That's what matters. I saw your missionary board outside, and I think it's awesome you support 24 missionaries. But they're not over there because that is their greatest desire in the whole wide world. They're over there because God desires that for their life. Therefore, they desire that for their life. I tried real hard to run from the call to preach. The Lord started dealing with me, so I started making podcasts. I was trying to, to help out in the church, and me and my wife taught Bible school, and I said, I, I'm doing what I can. I'm, I'm, I'm. We started a Bible club at the school, just trying to do what I can, so I started doing a podcast. I said, well, maybe this will help. I did a podcast twice a week, tried to, and, and, and thought, oh, I'm scratching that itch. If it's what I want, and not what God wants, that I'm very, very wrong. I'm feeding the wrong animal. I'm feeding the wrong dog. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. And if we run from it, Jonah went down to Joppa. Down to the dock. Got on that ship, went down in the bottom of it. The whole time we're running from God, we're getting further and further and further and further away from Him. But it's not about what we want. It's about what God wants. And whenever our desires lines up with God's desires, that is whenever we find peace in our life. That is whenever we find purpose in our life. That is whenever we find happiness in our life. That is whenever God begins to bless our life. But we've got to line up with Him. We must first deny ourselves. Let's keep reading verse 24. If any man come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. Anybody ever tried pulling a post up out of ground? I don't know what keeps it in there. I think gravity is a little extra once you get under the surface of the dirt. But you start trying to pull a post up and something has got a hole to the bottom of it and it feels a whole lot harder than dirt. But whenever he says take up your cross, I don't know if he means pulling it out of the ground or simply picking up and toting it. But you try picking up something what it has to be heavy enough to hang a man on. We're talking about a light pole. Try picking one of them up. Following God is something that is a labor, something that requires work. Man said one time, really famous preacher, he said, Every man is an evangelist, is a missionary, or a fraud. Every Christian is a missionary or a fraud. And if we're going to carry God's word, it's something that's going to require work. It's going to require effort. I don't know and I don't really keep up with all the famous athletes today. But I know the kids up at the school, they get there early. The ones that are good at sports, they get there early and they work out. 
They stay late. And they take extra reps. They put in the time. They put in the sacrifice. They put in the work. And it pays off. If you expect to be an awesome basketball player, but you sit around on your couch all day, and you just sit there and you watch videos on how to become a good basketball player. And you watch it and you watch it and you watch it until you know every move they're going to make. But all you're doing is sitting on your couch eating potato chips. How good of a basketball player are you going to be? Yeah. No, you're not. It's not going to happen. You're not going to become good at something until you work at something. You're not going to become a good Christian until we learn how to work. Until we learn how to labor. Until we learn how to take up that cross and follow me. Follow Jesus. It's not something that's going to be easy. It's not something that's going to be a, a, a easy road. And because of that, so many people are going to depart from the faith. Because of that work, because of those struggles, because of those trials, because of people trying to seduce them all along the way, people are going to depart from the faith. They're going to see something that catches their eye, and they're going to take that exit. They're going to see something else, and they're going to take that exit. Things are going to get difficult, and they're going to take that exit. God didn't tell us that things wouldn't be hard. He told us that we would suffer, that it's coming. Guarantee 100%. Look for it. But he told Paul, he said, be of good cheer. I will protect you. He said, no man will hurt you. Now, Paul suffered. Paul suffered a lot. But what happened whenever they beat him? I mean, sure enough, beat him. We're not talking about whoopings like kids get today. I'm talking about grown men with wooden sticks about the size of a baseball bat beating and beating and beating on grown men. I'm talking about beating the fire out of them. And then they throwed him in jail, and what was he doing? Praising God for the opportunity to suffer for his cause, for the opportunity to share Christ with everyone in that prison. A lot of times we'll sit there and we'll say, Oh, poor pitiful me. But maybe God put us there to preach to the people in prison. Maybe God put us there because of those that are around us. Why don't we sing and praise God in their presence? If we miss these opportunities, if we say, no, God, I'm not going to serve you. No, God, I'm not going to witness for you. No, God, I'm not going to testify for you. No, God, I'm not going to stand up for you. No, God, I'm not going to invite somebody to church. No, God, I'm not going to share the word. I'm not going to share a track. I'm not going to ask somebody if they're saved. And little by little, we are on our way to departing from the faith. Because we're either going to live for God or we're not. Being a Christian is not a part-time job. It is not something that we show up to. It is not something that we commit to and we never have to commit to again. It is something that we have to tackle every single day. And we have to stand up and we have to wake up and we say, God, I'm going to live for you today. And if we don't, we're liable to get ourselves in trouble. Throughout the day, we have to purpose in our heart that we're going to seek God's will in our life. And if we don't, we're going to miss it. We're going to depart to faith. And we may not even know it. There's an analogy, and you, you may have seen it before, but it's kind of like walking with Jesus. And, and you're walking with Jesus, and y'all arm in arm, hand in hand. Oh, look at that. You see something shining. You see something that the world is offering. You see something that they have to do. And you say, Jesus, stay right here. Stay right here. And you step over here and you reach it up and pick it up. And then you look and you see something else. You say, Jesus, I'll be right back. And you step a little further. 
And you say, Jesus, I see one more. Hold up, I'm going to go get it. And you run out there and you turn around. Well, where'd Jesus go? Bailey's got to where she says, I don't know. I don't know. She says, I don't know. And she throw them hands up. I don't know. What happened? I don't know. Where are my shoes? I don't know. I don't know. It's always, I don't know. Well, turn around because we wonder. Jesus didn't move. We told Jesus, hold up. I'm going to be right back. And we wander off and we wander off and we wander off and we turn around and we wonder, God, why did you leave me? God didn't leave us. We're the ones that departed. We're the one that said, I'm going to choose the things of the world over the things of God. We're the one that said, I'm going to choose everything else. Turn back, if you would, to 1 Timothy. Read a couple of more verses in closing. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Verse number 7. But refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And this is one of my favorite verses. I love it. Let's look real careful at it. He said, but bodily exercise profiteth little. If you see me run, you better run too. Because <laughs> something's coming. Bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having a promise of life that is, that now is, and of that which is to come. He said, exercise thyself unto godliness. The only way to get faster is to run and build up your muscle. The only way to be able to bench press more weight is to bench press more weight. The only way to grow is to move. If you lay there in a bed and you never move, there's a thing that your muscles do. It's called atrophy. If you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. You have to hunt your Bible in between church services. Do we have to think about, oh, wait, it's church. Today is church. Where's my Bible? When's the last time I talked to God? When's the last time I asked Him for, to forgive me for the things that I've done that are contrary to His Word? When is the last time I sought His guidance, His help in studying? When is the last time? He said, but exercise thyself rather in godliness. You want to know how to not depart to faith? Exercise in godliness. Exercise in the things of God. You want to become a better Christian? We have to work at it. We have to work. I was putting together a swing set one time. Big, big swing set. woman had bought it for her daughter right before Christmas. And didn't realize that it come in boxes. Didn't come assembled. So I asked one of the kids that I was teaching at the time to come help me. We showed up about 7 o'clock that morning on a Saturday. It said it would take a few hours. So we showed up. And this thing was boxed up in five or six boxes. This thing was huge. So we commenced to laying everything out. And I told Trent, I said, hey. Lay that picture up on the hood of that car. We're going to put this thing together. I don't need the instructions. All I need is a picture. All I need is to see what it looks like. After the first hour, I told Trent, I said, hey, go get them instructions. Go find them instructions. I don't know where they ended up, but go find them instructions. We can't do this without the instructions. We can't do this thing that we keep calling life without the instructions. We can't do it. We can't be what we like to call ourselves a Christian without the instructions. It's not going to happen. It, we can't do it. And if we want to not 
depart to faith. And we must spiritually exercise. We must spiritually feed ourselves. We have to be committed. We have to deny ourselves. We have to take up our cross. We have to follow Him. We have to say, God, I will trust in You. God, I will believe in You. God, whatever You take me through, whatever You take me toward, You're going to take me through. God, whatever You want in my life, I am Yours. There's a song that says, I surrender all. And that's a hard thing to do. This afternoon, if you're here and you're not saved, that is the only thing that you have left to do. Is to surrender all. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you don't, there's a place the Bible tells about it's called hell. And Jesus said that it is a place where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. I burned myself last week on a muffler of a tractor we're rebuilding at the school. Like a knucklehead, we turned it on and crunk it and drove it around and brought it back over there and whenever it the kid killed it. He had it in neutral and it was still rolling so I reached up there to stop it. And my one hand hit the hood right where it was supposed to. My other hand didn't. And I burned myself. And immediately I pulled my hand back. Can you imagine burning and never burning up? If you're here and you don't know Jesus this afternoon, that's what's coming. And the Bible is not meant to scare you. The Bible is meant to show you the truth. And that is the truth. If you leave this world without Jesus Christ, that is your eternity. If you think you're saved, then eternity in hell is a long time to be wrong. If you don't know if you're saved, then eternity in hell is a long time to be almost saved. To be part of the way saved. To be maybe saved. To be, I'm just not sure. And you go look in every cemetery around. And there's graves this big. There's graves that big. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. There's a, a card on the front. And I picked one up. I ain't never seen it. I thought it was great. A little white card. It says on the front, it says a man may go to heaven without wealth, Without health, without fame, without a great name, without learning, without big earnings, without culture, without beauty, without friends, without 10,000 other things, but he can never go to heaven without Christ. That is the absolute God-honest truth. But you can change that tonight. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And tonight, if Jesus is dealing with your heart, call on his name. Believe in Him, and you will experience salvation. And for those of us who are saved, salvation is a is not the while it's the most important thing in life. It's the beginning of a long journey. It shouldn't be the top of the mountain. Salvation is down here. After that, we grow spiritually. And if we cease to grow, we become part of that falling away. My prayer to God, first and foremost, if there's one here that don't know Jesus, that you trust in Him. And for those of us who are here, that we can truly have a revival in our heart, that we can say that I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to feed the Spirit. I'm going to spiritually exercise so that we will not be a part of that falling away.